Hello, it's Jamie here, and welcome back to Bloody Bites. So sit back, buckle up, and scream, because this plane ain't got no pilot. The subject, drone, worker bee of the battlefield. And they are indeed the worker bees. They're everywhere, pollinating the garden of modern warfare. And you can tell that they've worked their way into modern military parlance and jargon simply through the acronyms that are being bandied around. There's RPV, Remotely Piloted Vehicle, UAV, Unmanned Air Vehicle, UCAV, Unmanned Combat Air Vehicle, UAS, Unmanned Air System, HAIL, High Altitude Long Endurance, MAIL, Medium Altitude Long Endurance. So you can see, they've simply worked their way into the modern military lexicon. And we're not going to get away from it. It's only going to become worse because the rules they perform are myriad. They're involved in area surveillance, tactical reconnaissance, electronic intelligence, signal intelligence, communications relay, data relay, electronic support measures, electronic countermeasures, data involvement, spraying chemicals, decoy, kinetic impact, hard kill, targeting and acquisition. Everywhere you look, you get a picture of their involvement. This year alone, 2021, in November, three drones attacked the home of the Iraqi prime minister. They were probably Iranian, because the Iranians have a history of this. Let's face it, back in July 2021, they attacked the Mercer Street, an oil tanker in the Gulf of Oman, killing the Romanian captain and a British security advisor. Uh, back in 2019, the Iranians shot down a US Global Hawk high-altitude long-endurance drone uh, flying over the Straits of Hormuz. In 2020, the Iranian intelligence chief, Major General Qasim Soleimani, was killed by an American Reaper drone, probably with an RDX Ninja missile. Uh, that's the one with the eight blades, the anvil blades. So Soleimani became, I suppose, salami, simply by being sliced and diced by modern counter-terrorist techniques and weapons. And the drone was central to that. So you simply can't get away from it. But where did it start? They say that conflict is the mother of invention. Well, the birth mother of the modern drone was probably the Firebee, the Ryan Firebee that was launched in 1951. And it was eponymous. It was everywhere. It came about because of American worries, concerns about Soviet air supremacy or Soviet fighter technology, the MiG-17 and what was coming down the line. So they had to come up with a device that would allow the United States to hone its surface-to-air missile and air-to-air missile technologies. And the Farby was the result. It was so basic, it didn't even have, have any landing gear. It was simply uh, parachuted down at the end of its run and collected by a helicopter. 
But that drone evolved. And this is really the story of the drone, how it, it expanded its roles to fill so many of the, the sort of areas that you see it in today. So the FireB evolved into the Model 147 Firefly and Lightning Bug because come the Vietnam War in the 1960s, and frankly, it's easier to lose a drone than it is to lose an expensive plane and pilot with all the political ramifications and emotional ramifications that that carries. So here was the Firefly, able to fly at high altitude or low altitude, getting pictures from areas and over heavily defended areas of North Vietnam, which would put a pilot at risk. And that was seen to be the advantage of the drone. And so you see it today in many of the areas where sending aircraft would be too expensive. And that really leads to the advantages of the modern drone. First of all, it is price. It's so much cheaper to lose a drone. If you think that an F-35 Lightning II fighter aircraft is $80 million, that a B-2 Spirit Bomber is about $2 billion when you take into account the logistics tail and its atmospherically controlled hangars that are involved. So you can't buy too many of them. You certainly can't afford to lose too many of them. So send a drone instead. When you think that four Reaper drones or uh, Predator drones are about 64 million bucks, including their command and control station, then you get an idea of how much cheaper a drone is. Then you come down the, to the cheap end of the spectrum, and today you see things like the Kratos Valkyrie drone. That's $3 million, and that Valkyrie drone can drop and a smaller drone, the Altius 600, from its weapons bay. And that's what it has done recently. That's what it shows. So it's wheels within wheels, cogs within cogs, subsystems within systems. So the flexibility of the drone is absolutely vast, and the possibilities are endless. Then you get the cost of the drone. And I'm not talking about price here. I'm talking about the human and political cost. It's so much less than a fighter. Remember that in 1960, Gary Powers was shot down in his U-2 over the Soviet Union. In 1962, Rudolf Anderson, a U-2 pilot, was shot down and killed over Cuba. These were massive moments. These were political moments with strategic import. With a drone, you wouldn't have had that problem, nor would you have had the problem of uh, myriad uh, pilots shot down over Vietnam and held in the Hanoi Hilton, held in those terrible prison camps in North Vietnam. You wouldn't have the problem of human shields during the Iraq War or during the Gulf War with uh, Western pilots, Allied pilots, held by the forces of Saddam Hussein. Again, the drone is the perfect solution. So apart from price and cost, you also have the issue of deployability and deniability. And herein lies another advantage of the drone. They're none of the problems of basing rights 
overflight rights, none of the problems of sending large logistic tails, of sending ground crew, air crew. You simply have a drone flying on station or flying from neighbouring countries and inserting themselves in airspace. And no one knows where they've come from. No one knows who's operating them. And that is the advantage. You can take out ISIS and Al-Qaeda targets at your convenience. So that is the deployability and deniability factor. You know, you go to Fort Creech in Nevada. Uh, this is where the Americans run their contingency drone operations around the world. You can fly a drone from thousands of miles away. In the UK, it's done at RAF Waddington, which is involved in all ISTAR work for the UK. That's intelligence, surveillance, target acquisition, and reconnaissance using air assets around the world. And that's where the RAF, the Royal Air Force, runs its drone operations from, using its um, protector drones, its Reaper derivative drones. So you can see this is where things are going. This is the direction in which things are heading. And the drone definitely has the advantage. You also have the advantage of persistence, the fact that a drone can stay on station longer than a combat aircraft or a pilot. You take something like the Reaper drone, the Predator drone, and that in its modern format can stay on station for 40 hours. That's 40 hours. A pilot would find it very difficult to do. The expense of sending another aircraft to take over from the aircraft on station, again, is a factor. So a drone can do that without any trouble at all. There is a drone called the Zephyr, uh, originally designed by Kinetic in the UK and taken over by the Airbus uh, military side. And that can fly at 70,000 feet for 26 days. It's already broken world records for the, its ability to persist, its ability to stay on station. And no combat aircraft can do that. So although it has a small payload of two and a half kilograms, it still has a function and has been used. So again, that is another direction in which drones are heading. And the concept of trickle-down, the idea that microelectronics, AI, all these technologies are flooding into the area of unmanned air vehicles. You can see it also in satellite technology. There was the United States with a near monopoly on really high-end reconnaissance satellites, such as its keyhole satellites, costing a billion dollars each. But there's the UK producing its Carbonite 2 spy satellite, and that only weighs 100 kilograms and has a one-meter resolution for its cameras and has video capture as well. So the technology that is running into other areas, such as satellites, is also moving in into drone technology as well. And this is how the battlefield, the future uh, area of war, the spectrum of war is changing. And those are the advantages. And just look at the capabilities. You have stealth moving from combat aircraft into drones. The CIA employ and deploy the Lockheed Martin 
uh, RQ-170, the Sentinel drone. And in fact, the Iranians claimed to have shot down a version and reverse engineered it in 2011. And that's a very capable drone. So unfortunately, like the Global Hawk, uh, it wasn't presumably that stealthy, or the Iranians somehow managed to capture it and bring it down. So that's the problem, that that technology can fall into enemy hands, but at least it wasn't a fully-fledged combat aircraft with a pilot attached to it. So you've got stealth technology moving in, you have the payload increases, the fact that the modern Predator drone can carry about 4,800 pounds of ordnance. That's 21 Hellfire missiles it can carry, whereas before it could only carry about four Hellfire missiles. The UK developed its Mantis technology demonstrator. That too is a capable uh, drone system that has six hard points that can fly at 30,000 feet. The Predator can fly at 40,000 feet. But the, the Mantis is extremely powerful and feeds into technology developments for the future. So this is the way things are heading. Then there's the surveillance package, the payloads that can be carried. You, know, you had American developments such as Gorgon Stair and Argus 2. And so the number of cameras and video capture uh, abilities, capabilities of modern drones is vast. You can get hundreds of cameras onto a modern drone and have persistent surveillance. It's very difficult to escape from that if you're under observation, if you're under surveillance by the American military or allied military uh, these days. And again, it's something that aircraft alone could not do because you simply don't have the persistence. So drones are really moving ahead. And if we come on to the section of modern capabilities, well, then you have the Reaper or Protector drone used in US, UK. Even the Belgians are using the Reaper these days because it's highly effective and cost-effective on the modern battlefield because it can do so much, because it can hit targets and stay on station uh, for longer. And there are also handheld drones, such as the Raven, used by militaries around the world. So this technology is trickling down to even sort of infantry squad level. And it's not just the sort of high end, you know, whether it's the Predator, whether it's the watchkeeper used by the UK that has ground mapping, thermal imaging, laser target designation. It can be used for all sorts. And the way things are developing, you're now getting unmanned combat air vehicles, such as the French Neuron, uh, developed by Dassault, and the project has been joined by other uh, European countries, such as Greece and Spain and Italy and uh, Sweden. And they're all piling into that. And the UK has its Tyrannus demonstrator program that's feeding into the future combat air system. And that is designed to produce drones that can swarm, fly in squadron formation, operate with crewed or uncrewed vehicles. And 
All these technologies are feeding in. The British had another system called the HERTI, the High Endurance Rapid Technology Insertion Drone. And they were flying in formation uh, back in the sort of 2010s, essentially. And that feeds into this £2 billion future combat air system. And so everyone is trying to move ahead. But if anyone is ahead, it's the Americans, because what they're aiming for is really the future, and that is going to be hypervelocity. They want to be able to hit targets around the world within one hour. And don't believe me? Look at what the Defence Advanced Research Project Agency, DARPA, is doing. Uh, it has its Falcon program, and it's trying to produce a drone, an unmanned air vehicle, that can fly at Mach 20, 20 times the speed of sound. That is light years ahead of anything that's around at present. You know, the Raytheon has developed a Hitile, uh, a drone missile that can hit a target, uh, and Mach 5, so it can hit warheads, it can hit incoming cruise missiles, and that has already been tested. Uh, Lockheed Martin are uh, developing what they, is called the Son of Blackbird. It's the successor to the SR-71 Blackbird that was retired in 1998, that manned aircraft that could fly at Mach 3. Well, Lockheed Martin's SR-72, which is expected to fly in 2025, should be able to fly at Mach 6. So that is the way things are heading. But you don't only get this hypervelocity, this scramjet technology, you also go to the other end of the spectrum to see where things are going. And you see where nanotechnology is coming in. Because I talked about the worker bee of the battlefield. Well, this is truly the worker bee of the battlefield because they are now producing drones the size of bumblebees. And there are actually UK scientists who are taking the brain of the bee and using that to create autonomous navigation systems for drones. That is one end, the clever end of the spectrum. So it's not just speed, it's also the AI and the microelectronics inside these drones that they can process for themselves, think for themselves, attack for themselves. And that is the future. There is a further consequence of all this technological change. You've seen it in the realm of cyberspace and cyber warfare. And that's because of the lowering of the price. That's because the technology has evolved and spread. And it's really about democratization. It's about the technology falling into the hands of others. I talked about trickle-down, but this is trickle-down and the spread of robotics and AI and microelectronics and technological capabilities to those we don't want to have it beyond the battlefield, beyond the realm of the conventional. And that's the terrorist sphere. Back in the 80s, people were worried about the PFLPGC, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine General Command, getting hold of microlites, of being able to spray chemical weapons, of being able to attack targets with explosives from the air. Well, today and tomorrow, it's happening because this technology is going to find its way into the hands of terrorists. 
it won't take much for terrorists to plant a bomb on a drone and to fly it into targets of choice or to fly it into the nacelle of a passenger aircraft. So this is an area that we're going to have to watch. It's an area of the battlefield that we are going to have to be extremely wary of. Terrorism. That is an aspect of drone technology, of the worker bee, of which we should be profoundly concerned. And that brings us really to the postscript, because what I want to talk about here is just an example of how there's a fusion between weapons and drone technology, because the UK under MBDA have designed, developed and deployed uh, a drone missile called the Fire Shadow. And it was believed to have been deployed initially in Afghanistan. But this is just a 200 kilogram weapon. It has a 60 mile range. But the clever thing is it can loiter for six hours around the enemy, above the enemy. So you can bring it down with precision on enemy targets whenever you need it, whenever you want it, whether your forces are advancing or whether your forces are withdrawing. And that is a huge advantage to any country, any nation, any armed forces that want to deploy this sort of weaponry. So again, you're getting back to the idea that these drones, these unmanned air vehicles, can be weapons in themselves. And that is the future. So as I said at the beginning, the drone, it's the worker bee on the modern battlefield. And it might currently be a buzzword, but tomorrow it might yet become the war of the worlds. Goodbye. So it goes. My name is Tom Ashton. His name is James Jackson. Please subscribe it's free, to our podcast on the app you use and to our mailing list via our website. This is very important as it boosts our rankings in the podcast charts. Thank you and good luck.